Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. So many of the allegations are not as I remember these incidents, but I believe these women. I'm resigning my seat, but I am not leaving the Senate. I find it ironic that other people still exist. And so, I will not be a participant in the Apologies of the Week. So sorry. Oh, we, Al, we hate to lose you. We hardly knew you. The um, apologies are, are brief this week, but seem to be following a pattern established in recent weeks. CAA, the um, creative, creative, don't you know, artists agency, has apologized, according to the New York Times, quote, to any person the agency let down for not meeting the high expectations we place on ourselves, unquote. This is uh, because... Many of the actresses messed around with, or worse, by Harvey Weinstein, were represented by CAA. And he was uh, sort of well-connected there. Like other agencies, it has begun revising its management structure to include more women and and improve its sexual harassment policies. We'll check back with them probably never. And New York Public Radio CEO Laura Walker has apologized to victims who experienced harassment and bullying on the production of The Takeaway, a uh, radio program WNYC used to produce. She acknowledged her own failure to protect WNYC employees and contributors. Note, this program is broadcast on WNYC AM. She told WNYC's Brian Lehrer, I deeply regret that our culture and protocols did not work as they should, such that the full extent of the allegations are just coming to light. This alleged behavior happened on my watch, and I take responsibility. She acknowledged knowing about some of the behavior described in a report for New York Magazine and a subsequent story on WNYC. Walker confirmed that uh, Hockenberry was not fired for sexual misconduct. Later asked why Hockenberry was allowed to leave with public praise and the impression that it was his decision. Quote, we gave him the option, which is often the case, to characterize this as his decision. Lehrer asked about Hockenberry's apparent bullying of former co-hosts of The Takeaway, including Farai Chidea, who complained that Hockenberry had called her a, quote, diversity hire and told her to, quote, go lose weight. Why wasn't that a firing offense, Lehrer asked. It was taken seriously, and we did take some action, Walker said. But, quote, I apologize to Farai and the women who came forward. I have a huge amount of admiration and respect for these women coming forward at this time, unquote. Two other WNYC personalities have been suspended pending investigation of similar allegations, including a friend of mine. I'm sorry to report the apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast, which is being assembled three or four days before you hear it, at which point, uh, as we're recording, Southern California, once this broadcast is originating, is still aflame. And news of the warm, melting Arctic sea ice could render California vulnerable to a recurrence of the severe drought suffered in recent years. It's likely to cause high-pressure systems that push away rain-bearing storms, according to a study released this week. Timely. Timely. As temperatures rise, the Arctic Ocean is expected to become ice-free within two or three decades, resulting in more of the sun's heat being stored in the Arctic Ocean, 
leading to atmospheric circulation changes and cloud formations in the tropical Pacific that move north. This will be, be, lead to the building of high-pressure system, known as an atmospheric ridge, in the northern Pacific off the California coast, steering storms north into Alaska and Canada instead of into California. This has the potential to make a drought very similar to the one we had in 2012 to 2016, said one of the researchers. The recent five-year drought cost California's farmers billions of dollars in lost production, slashed seasonal agricultural jobs by the thousands, and spiked electricity bills as hydroelectric systems failed. Studies like this one imply it's not only a problem for communities in Alaska and that Arctic sea ice loss we expect in the next couple of decades could have massive effects on Californians and other people around the world, said the researcher. Modeling by the scientists, I like science models, they're pretty, show that the loss of sea ice could cause a 10 to 15 percent decrease in California's rainfall when considering a 20-year average with some years becoming much drier, others becoming wetter. Another aspect of global warming could contribute to more drought in California. California's temperatures have risen about 2 degrees Fahrenheit over the last century, and the warmer air holds more water, sucking, sucking, I said sucking moisture out of soil, rivers, and streams. The new study appeared in the journal Nature Communications, and the fires that are ravaging Southern California this week follow a period of extreme dryness. This is the rainy season. A um, a panoply of flooding like this in December, it's not unheard of. It's just really rare. So far, news of the warm, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast, but now we have older fish to fry because... 2017, the year in rebuke. something. The wilderness years. Please hold for the president. <laughs> the president? What president? Am I calling myself now? What? Hey, 42, it's your British successor. President the other Bush? You could say that if you were so indisposed. Hey, how they hanging? Well, they're uh, they're hanging just fine. And you? Oh, listen, I've been a good boy so long, I wouldn't remember how to behave other which way wise. So, look, mm-hmm. please uh, convey my uh, sincerest uh, conveyances to the missus about the you know the election. Ah, oh, well, thanks. You know, she's in the other room. You I can... mean, nobody wanted this SLB to lose more than I did. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we all know politics is a Tough old game. But uh, Hex Bells, when he called me a liar in public, that was just, you know, completely beyond the Pele. Well, I will pass on your good words to Hillary. Matter of fact, she's just... So uh, let me just cut to the chaser. <laughs> Laura and I were invited to the uh, inauguration of this Trump fella. Well, we were too. Yeah, I sort of assumulated that. Now, I understand it's protocol and the elders and all that for former presidents to attend the swearing-in of a new president. Well, even their opponents. I mean, uh, Al Gore attended yours, right? Oh, 
sure as heck did. Looked more teed off than a three-legged prairie dog. Mm -hmm. So I figure, you know, if you folks are going, then uh, I guess so are we. Well, on the other hand, folks, Lauren, I'd be delighted to skip it if you folks were planning to be uh, elsewise on that uh, Augustine occasion. You know what, George? Between you and me, uh, I think it's up to Hillary. Well, then it isn't between you and me, really. I guess you're right. So, look, I'm going to talk this over with uh, Hill just as soon as she's uh, able to talk again. Oh, I'm good. I'll get back to you. Yeah, just let me know in time for Laura to gussy up. You got it. You know, me, I just put on a clean suit. Talk to you later. Who was that? Uh, President Bush. Really? No, the other one. Oh. How's he taking it? Pretty good, considering he wasn't running. Well, I know, but his whole family was hung out to dry by Cockwork Orange. Yeah, that's clever. You just think of it? Mm Mm-mm. Huma came up with it. I uh, think she's still processing the Anthony Weiner thing. Hey, I'm still processing the documentary they were in. Man, you really have to be addicted to power to stick around a guy like that. I guess. So what was up with 43? Offering sympathy or wanting some? Mm, Neither. He just wanted to know whether we're going to, uh, you know, the thing. (laughs) Are they going to... uh the thing what it sounded like was they're going if we're going what's his dad going to do probably skydiving and the swearing in cute trying that too so I was leaning towards taking a long walk in the woods that day you mean Like today and yesterday and every other day since the other thing? The woods are different every day. You know what else is different every day? What? Being president of a major university. Not quite the same as, you know. No, but the salary's better. It's amazing what university presidents get paid these days. More than Chelsea's getting paid to run the foundation. You know something, Bill? I don't really envision spending the next four years deciding which professor's class needs a trigger warning in the catalog. Well, you you can't just walk in the woods for the next four years. Why not? Well, that's what the Russians and the FBI would want you to do. At least out in the woods, there's nobody telling me that they told me to campaign in Wisconsin and Michigan. Oh, no, I told you so is in a frozen forest. Look, I only mentioned it a couple of times. What about mayor of New York? He never mentioned it. No, I mean, how about running for mayor? New York's almost as big and important as the United States. At least to New Yorkers. You know something, hon? Hmm. I think I'm about through with trying to be half as good a natural politician as you. Hmm. Whatever I do... If I do anything, I'm not going to campaign for it. You could be president of the Red Cross. Clean that up a little bit. Clean up a little bit yourself. That pays a million plus. 
I could also take Tony Blair's old job flacking for Kazakhstan. That pays more. Hey, he's given the whole post-elected office business model a bad name. Don't go there. I won't. So, you and me and W and Laura in the impossibly good sport box at the inauguration? Well, w is always good for a laugh or two. Sure. And Laura's so bitter at Michelle's adoring press, she'll probably be good for at least a couple of cringy zingers. Nice name for a dog treat. <laughs> That's my gal. I'll call George. I'll be in the woods. Youthful angst and post-middle-aged angst. Together they add up to Clinton something. The wilderness years. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be the week of the uh, year in rebuke that Donald Trump, President Trump, won't like very much because it's not about him. I've been kind of um, assertive in suggesting that news organizations exercise some uh, something old-fashioned called news judgment about his tweets. Not ignore them, but don't put them on the front page because he likes that, but also because their tweets. Anyway, this week, the year in rebuke about everything else, although he, of course, lurks in the background like a perpetual second debate. But first, news of inspectors general, ladies and gentlemen, the military justice system's failure to share critical information with civilian law enforcement agencies is far more rampant than initially believed, according to the Pentagon's inspector general. In some case, some cases, it's nearly a third of the time critical information is not shared with civilian law enforcement. So that's your Pentagon protecting you. After former uh, Airman Devin Kelly shot and killed 26 people in a rural Texas church last month, the Air Force admitted it hadn't followed the procedure to alert civilian authorities to his domestic violence conviction while in uniform. That would have prevented him from being able to buy a gun. The Air Force subsequently found dozens of other such cases, but the problem is far more widespread. According to the inspector general, it found a series of troubling things when it reviewed more than 2,500 cases across all four branches of the military over the last two years. Of those, fingerprint cards were not submitted to the FBI in a quarter of the cases. A final disposition report was not submitted in almost a third. The military is required to submit data to the FBI. It's like a requirement. It's like an order. When service members are convicted of a number of crimes, including drunk driving, stalking, and kidnapping. That information is then included in the federal database that's checked when someone tries to purchase a gun. The Air Force actually performed better than the Army, Navy, and Marine Corps, according to the IG report. The Navy and Marine Corps didn't submit f- fingerprint cards in f- uh, 29% of cases. The Army didn't submit a final disposition report in 41% of its criminal convictions. The failure to populate FBI databases with all the required fingerprint records can result in someone purchasing a weapon who should not, says the report. It can also hinder criminal investigations and potentially impact law enforcement and national security interests. Like the Pentagon is ignoring national security? What do we have it for? Quote, it is therefore troubling that many fingerprint cards remained missing. The IG made several recommendations, (laughs) including that the military shape up. No, that isn't it. 
review their criminal investigative databases dating back to 1998 to ensure all paperwork all paperwork is submitted to civilian agencies and implement greater oversight of the reporting process. News of Inspectors General. Ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. I said very little about President Trump will be on this broadcast, President Trump, but um, have to stop just to remember uh, Kellyanne Conway, one of his advisors, one of his chief advisors, not a brave, but a chief, um, made reference in the early spring, late winter, early spring, to something that became uh, fairly notorious for a while, something that apparently never happened, the Bowling Green Massacre. Where was it heard and where was it seen that terrible day in Bowling Green? About 7.30 in the morning or at night when a calm and friendly city succumbed to the fright. Who knows how many citizens had their lives turned upside down when terror never came round. Oh, show me the page, show me the screen Telling the tale of Bowling Green Did the birds stop a-singing? Did the dogs forget to bark? How many nameless people set off that spark? Children asked their parents, folks could only shrug was that fateful bullet a slug? Oh, sing me the ballad, read me the magazine Counting the toll in Bowling Green Bowling Green Kill the end Kill the end Kill the end Kill the end No one saw the bodies no one dried the tears No one made a promise To remember through the years Now we're all survivors Grateful to be spared From the uneventful nightmare we shared What did it say? What did it mean? The questions don't stop In Bowling Green Grandkids, but they were there that day. No one will tell their neighbors, they don't know what to say. No one will learn the lesson that they doesn't have to tell. No one will shrug and say it's just as well. Why did it feel just like a movie scene? But no one yelled, Cut and Bowling Green. In Bowling Green, in Bowling Green, in Bowling Green. Finally tonight, our long-running feature, Made in America. We've profiled almost everything still produced in this country, except one. And tonight, that's our focus. It's seen by millions, carefully sculpted and seemingly built to last a lifetime. The David Muir hairstyle, made in America. 
You might not expect a television anchor's hairstyle to have its roots here, deep in the Gulf of Mexico. But you'd be forgetting about the role modified petroleum products play in modern grooming aids. But down in Lafourche, Paris, Louisiana, oil rig technician Boyd Tebow doesn't forget. There's a refinery upriver that, that produces distillate. It goes into almost every major styling gel in the market. Yeah, I feel proud that uh, what comes out of this rig here ends up on some very famous heads. Right here in the USA. But distillate alone doesn't make for a telegenically powerful hairstyle. That's why we came here to Benchley, Indiana, where some very special scissors are made. As you can see on the flag that flies right beneath old glory, this gleaming new factory. These are scissors of Benchley. Janet Freilich is the foreperson on the assembly line. First thing, we never call it a scissors. It's a pair of scissors. Each blade is a scissor. We get a very high tensile strength grade of steel, which comes from right across the border in our sister city, Benchley, Kentucky. <laughs> we like to think we're their big sister. But the rubber really hits the road here in this makeup studio just off West 67th Street in Manhattan. That's where ABC's chief trichologist, Arlen Spencer, wields the scissors and applies the distillate. Believe me, it wasn't easy to uh, source a black dye with all U.S. sourced ingredients, but we, we did happen to find one on the Hopi Reservation. It's used uh, primarily for ceremonial purposes, and along with the gel, it generates the kind of shine that uh, the numbers people tell me is worth about a ratings point or two. And then uh, the dryer. Frankly, I don't know where it's made, but it works. And then voilet. Adjust before primetime ready look for an anchor who's serious but relatable. All those hands working to create a hairstyle enjoyed by millions each night. And best of all, it's made, made in, in America. America. Thanks for joining us on a Friday. I'll see you right back here on a Monday. And then on a Tuesday. More Americans get their news from David Muir than people in any other country. Well, there was a lot of uh, role reversals and shape-shifting going on this year without um, getting into too many specifics, but one that stood out was, one example that stood out, was the spectacle of a couple of the late-night TV hosts deciding to forsake the traditional 8 or 12-joke comedy monologue at the start of their shows to uh, get into more serious stuff, you know, get into politics and really take a stand and um, try to be taken as seriously as, I, I guess, Al Franken. And it, it just made me wonder if uh, maybe some of the supposedly serious news guys were considering moving in the opposite direction. I'm Chris Wallace. Welcome to Fox News Sunday. We'll get to our guests, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and the Governor of Puerto Rico in a moment. But first, some personal thoughts. I don't want to prejudge what Secretary of State Tillerson is going to tell me but our sources say the story going around this week was, in fact, fake news. That the Secretary of State was misquoted in an angry rant at the Pentagon in July. 
According to these sources, what Secretary Tillerson actually said at that Pentagon meeting is that he thought President Trump is an effing Mormon. You know, sometimes people who were fans of my dad, Mike Wallace, <laughs> those are the folks who came here today via mobility scooter. But seriously, they ask how I differ from my very famous father. Well, it's really simple. In his years at 60 Minutes, he did stories exposing sexual harassers and war profiteers. Me, I just work for them. No, I knew Roger Ailes well. Of course, he's the man who hired me for this job. I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Chris, you're a chip off the old block. We tried to hire the block. We had to settle for the chip. <laughs> you know, President Trump has had a rough week, really. He had to go to Puerto Rico to look at the damage. Then he had to go to Las Vegas to look at the damage. Then he had to go to the White House. I'm here all week. I don't know if you saw this. The bipartisan chairs of the Senate Intelligence Committee held a press conference this week. Among their announcements, they haven't been able to interview the author of the famous so-called Dirty Dossier, the former spy Christopher Steele. Apparently, he's still enjoying a shower. The committee wants to find out if he knows that all that glitters is not golden. Thank you. You know, this was interesting. The Nobel Prize for Physics went to three scientists who made the first ever observation of a gravitational wave. True to the 100-year-old theory of Albert Einstein, it was caused by crowds on distant stars raising their arms in unison. <laughs> you know, we've got some great guests this morning. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was going to join us, too. But he got some bad news overnight. According to his doctors, his chin has receded another two inches. <laughs> we also reached out to House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi. But she got right back up. <laughs> Let's see what else is going on. The baseball playoffs are here. It's a great time for Fox, which has some of the playoffs and the World Series, which means that the brand new shows on this network won't have to flop until November. <laughs> you know, one of the new comedies on the Fox network is highly anticipated. It's called The Ghosted, about President Trump's teleprompter. There's also a missing persons-themed show coming up. In the first episode, they try to locate Kellyanne Conway. And our sister network, the Fox News Channel, is preparing its first cooking special. Sean Hannity will show his favorite ways of preparing raw meat. <laughs> we have a great show for you. Coming up right after messages from these fine defense contractors. So stay with us. Thank you. There are lists of words of the year that are going around. Um, I know uh, among other places on the website, Medium, and I've seen a couple of them. But the word that stands out to me as not just 
a word that made the news this year, but a word that uh, probably hadn't been invented before this year was the word that was used when United Airlines personnel yanked a um, a passenger, a ticketed passenger, off a flight, dragging him through the aisles and off the plane. And uh, before they apologized, their first statement noted that what had happened to him was that he had been reaccommodated. You grabbed me by the arms and legs I was not anticipating My head hit on the armrest That was discombobulating I never went through this before A new state you were creating I really can't forget you so Long 
Green is an old, old friend. He hangs around the rainbow's end. A dealer in dreams, whispering of fortune and fame. Fanning the flame. Hear him calling your name. Long Daddy Green is a fly by night. You turn around, he's out of sight. Seems he's your fair weather friend, your foul weather foe. The wind starts to blow. Daddy Green starts to go. Lies he tells aren't new to you. You're not naive. You know he won't be true to you. Still you believe. You believe. Long Daddy Green chops you down to size with slow hellos and fast goodbyes. Comes around when you feel about ten feet tall to make you feel small, just like nothing at all. You try to tug his sleeve one day, your hopes are high. He'll turn around and walk away, but. Still you try, still you try. Long Daddy Green likes to disappear. Pretend that he is nowhere near. Then he'll come tap at your window, scratch at your screen. He sure can be mean. Long Daddy Green, you sure know how to treat your friends mean. Long Daddy Green. From the home of the homeless, this is the, you're welcome. This is Le Show, the year in rebuke. And now, ladies and gentlemen. It's a smart world after all. It's a smart world after all. It's a smart world after all. It's a smart, smart world. How smart, you ask? Well, researchers at Netflix, you've heard of it, are experimenting with creating software-edited trailers personalized for individual subscribers. The purpose? To get more people to watch its films, according to a well-placed source familiar with the matter, talking to the British technology journal The Register. Netflix collects troves of data about its users and their behaviors, that's 100 million users, and I guess 100 million behaviors, and uses a range of machine learning algorithms, there's that word again, to tweak and improve the way it streams and presents its content. Well, we know that part. But 
The large data sets allow researchers to find effective ways to maximize the time your eyeballs are glued to its TV network. And one way to get more users to watch its original content may be to tailor trailers or trail tailors to their individual tastes. You see what I'm saying? For example, an action movie may be more appealing if the romantic scenes are highlighted for people who watch more romance films or if the scenes containing a preferred actor or actress are included. Last year, researchers at IBM developed what they called the first cognitive movie trailer. They didn't want to call it smart, I guess. It used techniques from machine learning to generate a horror movie trailer for the film Morgan. It was designed to keep audiences on the edge of their seats. Don't sit back. It's not completely known how the technology works. It's likely that researchers at Netflix are following a similar method to IBM and analyzing bits of the film to label data into relevant categories such as people, scenery, objects, type of music, or different types of shots. You like zooms? You like cranes? They could correlate this data to a user's personal likes and dislikes to automatically generate a tailored trailer from a series of collected clips. It's a complex task with lots of variables from different data sets to consider. It's tricky to measure the success of such an algorithm. Yeah. Ask ask advertisers who this week announced a new plan to try to connect attribution to television advertising. Attribution meaning you saw the commercial, then you did something. That's 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 where they're at. They're, they're still trying to prove that. Anyway, it's another demonstration of AI being able to affect our decisions and our behavior. A spokesman for Netflix, strangely enough, was not available for comment, but their algorithm said no comment. It's a smart world, ladies and gentlemen. We're just being dumb in it. 2017 was another year where America's longest war became America's more longest war. And almost nobody paid attention, at least over here. 2017, the year in rebuke. From Afghanistan Public Radio, where your grants don't influence our coverage, unless you want them to. From the abandoned American television truck in downtown Kabul, come for the bombings, stay for the food. <laughs> I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. We're Slick and Slack, the Out of Power Brothers. <laughs> it's Cars I Talk. Today's program comes to you with the assistance of the Afghanistan Journalism Foundation. Mm. The best way to protect Afghani journalists is to get them out of Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> well, my younger brother, mm-hmm. it seems our soldiers are now attacking our American friends. Yes. Do you have any explanation for this tragic turn of events? Yes, my younger brother. Mm. There aren't enough Russians around anymore. That wasn't even funny enough for you to laugh at it. I was aiming more for pungent and poignant. That's strange. Those are the new hosts of Cooking Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, the Americans always talk about this being their longest war. Mm-hmm. But our war has been going on for twice as long, at least, against the Russians, against each other, against the Taliban. As a matter of fact, the war has been going on for so long, the Afmart stores have completely run out of yellow ribbons. Not that funny either. <laughs> hello, you're on Cars I Talk. Uh, hello, this is uh, General Nicholson, longtime commander of coalition forces in Operation War is Over, second-time caller. General, we love the fact that your 
taking time out from fighting season to call us up. I, I just hope this isn't another ammunition pledge drive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, sir. The president uh, has told me personally that we're going to be getting so much ammo that, uh, and I'm, I'm quoting President Trump here, uh, you're going to be sick of ammo. Oh. That's exactly how I got out of serving in the Army. Ammunition allergy. <laughs> you, you had made that up. I did not. My doctor did. <laughs> well, he went on to teach in an American medical school. Really? Yes. One of his students was President Trump's doctor. <laughs> but, 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 fellas, I'm, I'm calling with a serious purpose here today. Well, that's fine as long as you know you're in the wrong place. Please continue. <laughs> uh, uh, you gentlemen still have a lot of influence in this country. Well, he sells a lot of Toyota if that's what you mean. <laughs> Depends on what your definition of a lot is. It's where you keep your Toyotas. Oh. <laughs> but uh, uh, pursuing my thought here, mm -hmm. uh, it just seems to me that you fellows could uh, put out the message to your countrymen uh, to not be going around targeting American military personnel. Uh, if that just discouraged one alienated young Afghan soldier from doing that. Uh, that would be 25% of our audience. <laughs> <laughs> and that's during tote bag week. <laughs> <laughs> but, but generally, yes, sir. I think you have a good idea there. Uh, yes, you might also talk to a couple of the warlords, mm. like our friend Mr. Heck Matyar. Uh, uh, he's uh, kind of been hard to reach, as a matter of fact. He has a show on the commercial talk station. I'm aware of that, uh, sir, but uh, if you'll pardon my friend, screeners and a-holes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, if you're listening, Big if. don't target the American troops. Mm -hmm. Thank you, sir. American officials, that's another matter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. Ah, uh, I don't envy him his job. Why? As long as he doesn't leak classified information to his mistress, mm -hmm. he's going to be viewed as better than Petraeus. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Hello, you're on Casual Talk. Hello, this is John, Senator from uh, Arizona. And this is Lindsay, longtime bachelor and Senator from North Carolina. And we're, we're first-time first callers. Oh, you know, I have to admit I'm very impressed. Really? Why? We've been two-timed by American senators before. <laughs> <laughs> you have to excuse my brother. The CIA's check bounced last month. <laughs> uh, well, look, fellas, I'm, I'm sure your folks are weary of war. Mm -hmm. Let me assure you that the American people are, too. In fact, the American people are so war-weary, by now they're even tired of ignoring the war. Oh, that is weary. <laughs> yes. uh, but uh, we're calling with good news. Mm -hmm. This new administration, uh, we think, is going to roll out a policy for victory in your country. And we'd, we'd love you to join other Afghan thought leaders in uh, advocating for a victory policy. Mm -hmm. Ooh, they must have the wrong country. Yeah. We don't even have thought followers. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we would love to, Senators, mm -hmm. but I would like to ask exactly what this victory policy consists of. I, I hope it's not just more foreign troops. Oh, uh, absolutely not. Mm. It's a, a full-spectrum policy. Uh, of course, there are going to be more American troops. God, we, we don't think of them as foreign. That's right. Mm. But there'll be so much more. Ooh, like? Well, like support services for the troops, like troop transport. And, and of course, post-combat therapy for the troops. Just, a, just an all-of-the-above approach for a change. Mm -hmm. We think after years of taking baby steps... It's time to take off the training wheels and put the foot squarely on the accelerator. I don't know what vehicle he's talking about. Sounds like a traded in Tundra. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks for sharing what you clearly think is good news. Well, we're, we're bombing over there, so we don't have to bomb over here. Mm. And, and, of course, uh, trying to push back on the 
big increase in opium production is part of our victory strategy as well. That's right. That's right. We'd like you, uh, Hamid, uh, to consider doing a, a 30 or 60 second uh, PSA for Afghanistan's official social media account uh, built around our, our new theme, Be a Squealer, Not a Dealer. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it rhymes in Pashto, too. (laughs) (laughs) That all sounds very ambitious, Senator. Well, uh, we we are ambitious people. But I do have one recommendation before you go forward with this victory policy. What's What's that? that? Get this country an official social media account. (laughs) 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 Thanks for the call. (laughs) We had help today from the Afghan environment. Not for the arts, not for the humanities, for the endowment. Legal services for cars I talk from the law firm of Ketchum and Nukem. I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. Join us next time we engage in cars I talk. This is APR, Afghanistan Public Radio. One of the things that most impressed me, <laughs> to use a, a, a non pejorative word, about the year just passing by is uh, the frequency with which certain news organizations proffered as a truth-teller about what was going on behind the scenes of the Trump administration, James Clapper, former director of National Intelligence. Now, um, I know that there's a lot of criticism of of, uh, the current chief executive for, uh, you know, criticizing, destroying the morale of our fine intelligence officials. Uh, it's, I guess it's very delicate morale. But um, it just always amazed me, oh, there I go with a, uh, impressed me, that Clapper was introduced and, and offered airtime without the necessity for pointing out that uh, just a few years ago, he had testified under oath before a Senate committee and had uh, not told the truth which I believe is called lying under oath, uh, about a matter of some importance. He was asked whether the uh, NSA, which was under his uh, control at the time, was uh, doing bulk surveillance of American citizens. And he said, I, not, not deliberately, or something to that effect. And, of course, that turned out so not to be true. And he was under oath. Yes, he was. And... What it might be worth recalling at this moment in time is his explanation. Because he's, he wasn't really lying, you see, is what he said. He had just, it had been a, a tricky question for him to answer. And so what he uh, tried to do was to give, in his words, his least untruthful answer. A moment in time that was memorialized by our own Dewey Gordon. Don't have to lie to me Don't have to tell the truth All I want to hear Is what you're saying Cause when I stop believing It's like When I lose a tooth And hoping that it's so It's just like Praying Of your being 
already released some of the excerpts from the audiobook. Oh, we did. But we can just say certain parts of the narration were remastered, you know, like they do with old LPs. Yeah. Bill always laughed at me for keeping my LPs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wish I had them now. I had the original Beatles Yesterday and Today album, you know, the one with them as butchers on the cover. Mm-hmm. 
So is that a yes on re-recording the Trump debate section? (sighs) I don't know. What if somebody notices that we actually changed it? Legal. That always works. Mm. Or that since the name of the book is What Happened, we wanted to double-check that what you're reading is, in fact, what... I'd like to ask Bill. Well, Miss Hillary, I guess you can. Um, listen, keep the studio time. I'll let you know. Okay. Um, they also would like uh, the new reading to mm-hmm. be, you know, a, a little warmer. Yeah, yeah, always warmer. Bye. So, what do you want to ask me? I'm here all week. What is this? Q&A night at the improv? No, hun. I really am here all week, and next week, and the week after that. No big CGI forum this year. No reason to go into the city. Or looking at my schedule. Any city. You knew this day would come. The Global Initiative has achieved its purpose. Oh, it's true. I've gotten to know the richest fellows on the globe really well. And it's avowed purpose. Right. Helping Helping millions millions of people people around around the the world. world. Yeah, that too. So winding down isn't such a bad thing. Take it from me. I've done it big time, twice. I know. And you're right, I did know this was coming. But still, the dinners, the luncheons, the brunches, and then all the guests arrive and all the great conversations that ensue. You know, it was thanks to a cognitive scientist at one of the CGI meetings that I learned that eels have incredibly sensitive hearing. That's nice. Listen, darling, while you're here... Hey, I'm not going anywhere unless you want me to uh, help out on the book tour. Help out how? I mean, it's my book, my story, about my experience of the campaign. People are going to want me to say hello, to autograph their copy. You're sounding a little Trumpy there, Toots. Mm -hmm. And you're beginning to look a little Bob Dolish around the neck. Bill, I don't want you traveling around with me like a... Like a... Like a dutiful wife? I wasn't going to put it that way. But let's put it that way. Okay. You've got plenty to do here. Mm -hmm. Wrapping up the donor disclosures. Stuff like that. Oh, look, you know as well as I do the lawyers are doing that. You know, I I, I could come out before you, introduce you, be what the rappers call your hype man. Darling, you've always been my hype man. I'm going to choose to take that as a compliment. Good. Now... I did have something to ask you. Hype man and trusted advisor. Right. Go. Should I redo the audiobook section on the second debate? Some of the kids in Hillary Land think Philippe's tape will start getting more traction, and you know, I that I should at least make a glancing mention of the fact that I I had rehearsed pushing Trump away. Mm-hmm. Kind of a Shakespearean question. Hmm? To let it all hang out or to not let it all hang out. Right. Very Oxford of you. (laughs) Now get Little Rock with me. Well, too late to change the printed book. Not for the e-book. E-book sales going down, babe. But if it's in both the audio and e-versions, then we can say that the the print version is just a... A misprint version? Right. They left out a paragraph and... Budget cuts at the publishers have meant fewer proofreaders. Right. It'll be corrected in the second edition and... And the first will become a collector's item. On the other hand... On the other hand, the excerpt has already been broadcast and published, and we didn't rush to correct it. Well, I was busy preparing to not host the CGI forum, and 
And, and you? I was cutting the commercials for the book. They were having to shoehorn me in. We were, we were using the same director who was doing the new LeBron James shoe spots. I'm buying it. The shoe? The explanation. Mm-hmm. But you know what? What? What they printed is what I actually wrote, what I actually feel. Yeah, I rehearsed it, and then on the night of the debate, I froze because because he really did creep me out. Mm-hmm. The whole deeper truth bit. <laughs> you could say that. I think I just did. You know what? I think I'm going to leave it be. The only time they could record me is Tuesday, and the director thinks LeBron won't be back till Wednesday. It's a scheduling thing. Got it. <laughs> and as far as the hype man gig, you know, I can set you up like nobody else. I'm aware of that. Let me think about it. Youthful angst and mature reverie. Together they add up to Clinton something. The wilderness years. gentlemen that concludes this week's edition of the show the program returns next week at the same time over this same audio device of your choice and if you just like 2018 just be a little bit better if you'd agree to join with me then would you already thank you very much uh-huh typical show chapeau to the san diego pittsburgh chicago and exile and hawaii desks thanks as always to pam halstead and to jenny lawson for help with today's broadcast the email address if you want to write to this program, the music playlist, if you want to know what you heard on this program, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, which are sold through this program, all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. Next Saturday, Christmas Without Tears comes to the Largo at the Coronet in Los Angeles, filled with wonderful guest stars for a good cause and then the 22nd and 23rd at Le Petit Theater in New Orleans Christmas Without Tears New Orleans style hope we can see you for some of those shows or all of them come fly with us the show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network so long from the home of the homeless